Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Reza- now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I- Allison, where did you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the, on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm so excited to bring in our guest. This is, she's an icon and she's someone that you for sure will recognize. And it's someone that I can't believe I haven't had on the podcast before now, but we will get to that in a little while. First, I must check in with my producer, Tony Thaxton. How is it going? It's going all right. Feeling pretty good compared to, you know, the last year because it's kind of like christmas eve for me right now because tomorrow i hit my two weeks after my second shot that's right and i saw that you were tweeting about what you're gonna do to celebrate yeah. your immunity have you figured out what you're gonna do not officially i think i'm just gonna end up hanging out with some friends um but uh, i was gonna try and do yeah like go somewhere or something but i waited too long to plan something it didn't hit me till it got too close i was like mm. no yeah, I should put some thought into this and maybe I'll do something soon. I'm having yeah. trouble planning ahead, mustering thought, anything. Like in a very vague yeah. sense, I can I can think of places I want to go vacation-wise and I can sort of look at their website and that's about as far as I get. Um, oh, yeah. And, okay, so I tweeted a question and it went viral. It did not go viral. <laughs> I like to say that about everything I do. Um, <laughs> I tweeted a question does anyone wake up feeling good? I don't mean oh, emotionally. Yeah, I mean physically. Because I wake up and I feel like my head is filled with sand and I'm just dragging around my sandbag body. Most, like a few somewhat irritating. I'm sure they're lovely, but I, you know, I'm just jealous. A few people were like, I, you know, I, I close my eyes. I sleep eight hours. I wake up feeling great. I pop out of bed, blah, blah, blah. Um, most people do seem to also be having trouble feeling good when they wake up. And then many people tweeted me links to articles, which is like, if I can barely even get out of bed, I don't have it in me to read all these words. But I did read the New York Times article about languishing. Are you aware of this article? Yes. Have you read it? I think, yes. Someone sent that to me the other day. Yeah. So what it says is flourishing is when you're doing well, you feel joy and hope, things have meaning, you feel like you're making an impact. Depression, we all know what depression is, and somewhere in between is the term for that is languishing, which, by the way, I really didn't need to read that to know. I already knew that's what it meant, but I'm glad I read it anyway, in case it said something that I didn't know. Um and languishing is what most of us are doing in this pandemic. And it just kind of results in this <sighs> ennui 
They, I don't think they use that word, but this malaise, this ennui, this sort of feeling like it's just this, you're in a rut, you, you can't mm-hmm. focus. Now, the article said that people are not feeling a, less energy. They're just having more trouble focusing. But I am feeling less energy. I think that's hit me at kind of really in the last couple of weeks a little bit more, too. Yeah. Because I, I was feeling, yeah, just no motivation, but like had some sort of had energy. But yeah, that's that's been drained out of me now. I feel like it's a little bit like when you've been, when you're going through something hard. Okay, actually, let's just talk about your bladder. When you really need to pee and then you're like almost at the toilet mm-hmm. and you, you're like, I don't think I'm going to make it. That's that's a me after having kids thing. Um, but two weeks in a row that I've talked about my undercarriage situation. Um, and by the way, there is like a very respectable, big political guest I'm trying to get right now. And I feel like I'm like maybe making headway. And I was thinking that if this person were to check out my podcast, it's just going to be like <laughs> shit and piss talk, <laughs> which is accurate. But also I do I do real journalism sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, oh yeah, what I was going to say is like how right when you're about to pee, you're, it's like that's the hardest. That's when it like right when the relief is about to come, that's when it's yeah. the hardest to like suck it up. And I feel like maybe sort of globally pandemic wise, we're near the finish, hopefully near the finish line and it's, everything is just harder. Like I, I feel like I've been, though I really haven't, haven't done anything, just emotionally running a marathon and I'm ready mm-hmm. to be done. Yeah. No, I literally talked about exactly this for an hour uh, in therapy about an hour ago. Yeah. So I totally get it. So you're you're shrunk. You just got shrunk. I got shrunk. Do you feel better? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was a, a tough one, but but a good one overall, though. I, I it was one of those times where I actually afterward like was like, yeah, that was that was good today. I feel better today. Oh, that's good. My yeah. therapist has started at the end. She'll be like, this was a really good session. I'm like, well, you're the, bo- y- you would know. <laughs> <laughs> Not to toot my own. I know. <laughs> All right. Enough of, I do have to share though. You know how, when we were getting ready to do the show, I said, I have to run in and grab something. I ran in and grabbed something. And on my way out, I just absentmindedly slammed the door on my finger and like the pain just shot up my hand and into my arm a little bit. And now there's a bruise forming on my finger. You didn't know this was going to be a body horror podcast. I'm holding it up. (laughs) YouTube.com slash Allison Rosen is where you will be able to see my finger. That'll get those clicks. (laughs) There's a tiny bruise forming. And also I haven't had a manicure in a year and my skin is peeling from all the hand washing. So it's, it's disgusting on multiple fronts, but maybe Depending on how things go, maybe we'll check in with my finger on a later episode, later in this oh, episode, boy. to just see how the, that bruise has just blossomed. So I'm a little, I'm distracted by my finger, but not so distracted that I can't get excited for our guest, comedian, actor. Like I said, you have seen her in a zillion, zillion things. Uh, 24. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Mr. Show. My, this is, might not be her biggest credit, but this is something, this is a movie that I watched so many times. Dude Wears My Car <laughs> and so many others. She also made a comedy special in front of her garage called Maryland Rice Cub live from the pandemic. I said pandemic weird, but I think we know what I meant. Pandemic. Please welcome, please put your hands together and welcome to the show, Maryland Rice Cub. Yeah. 
Hello. Hello. Welcome. I thoroughly enjoyed your intro. Thank you. Very much. I was gripped from the ennui <laughs> to the languishing to the finger slamming. Um, there's a lot going on. There's really, and not to oh, mention. Oh, like when someone sends you articles yeah. to something. Yeah. I was just scrolling through mine because that happened to me recently. I'm not saying this is a great tweet. I said, how to cook a perfect hard-boiled egg. I'm talking to myself in the tweet. I said, how to put perfect, how to cook perfect egg. <laughs> Follow simple directions, comma, pay attention. And then I added, because I was like, that's not funny or interesting. So I put, same for sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, that's a tweet. And then, you know what I got is people sending me how to cook. And I'm like, I didn't ask. It's a joke. I didn't ask. Yeah. Don't send me. I'm about to start screaming. Don't send me how to cook an egg right now. I know. That's not what I was saying. Right. Can you listen? I feel Can like you they hear me. I feel like they don't. <laughs> they don't. Oh, they. Oh, Why them. They? And oh, they're them. just getting worse. Um, <laughs> Mary Lynn, I've been doing this podcast for a thousand years. I'm surprised I've never had you on. I feel like you should have come on years too. ago. I'm glad we're I rectifying this. Too. Yeah, yeah, we're just going to start fresh. Did you? So I'm trying to figure out if I've ever met you. Did were you at Greg Fitzsimmons' fiftieth birthday party? Yes, I was. Okay. I was too. And I feel like either I met you or I recognized you. So we go very. Far. Did you happen? You know, go ahead. If we did meet there, it was quick. Yeah, because I would have remembered. We did not. It was not a bonding sesh. It was no, like a, I remember having a margarita, and I remember. I left the party to go do a set. Oh, you are such a which pro. Which is like, I'm, I, yeah, but sometimes I do that and I'm like, why? Mm. Just live your, enjoy your life. You don't have to be like, oh, I also do a set on a night. Just like, just go to a party. Yeah. Like, you know, don't be a. You're a regular Dave Attell. I feel like that's all he does. But I will say that it is hard sometimes if you have a late set, mm-hmm. which when I was hitting it at the comedy store and they would put me up at 11, 30, 12 at night, that was hard. I mean, it was hard for me for many reasons, mostly just leaving the house. I would have to go to bed and get up and start a new day in order to do those sets. You know? <laughs> um, right. But-, but I remember hearing other comics like, you know, ch- trying to date and, and maybe go out to a dinner and just be like, oh, I got to go do a set mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's uh, interesting. I need before I do a podcast or anything, really, I need time to prep, whereas I feel like there are some comedians who they could just and I feel like they're often dudes, but I don't want to generalize. They could like roll out of bed and go do a set. Do you, are you able to be normal and have dinner with someone and then go do a set? No, of course not. Afterwards, yes. Right. Afterwards is the sweet spot for hanging out. But yeah, if you're doing a set at midnight, just this is shop talk. We went right into shop talk. If you're doing a set at midnight, you're done by one or two. That's nuts. Yeah. Because then you want, then it's like, oh, now I'm ready to hang out. It's almost like the set wakes me up Mm -hmm. and then I'm like, hey, I'm ready to go now. And it's like, well, you also have to get up at six or seven. It was a weird double life for a while. So, and God bless the pandemic, I guess. What were you having to get up at six or seven for? My child. Mm. But I mean, I just, that, that, that old thing. Um, <laughs> but I think, yes. 
having a baby yeah. ma- makes you get up early. Um, and I think I was sort of trained in that direction anyway because of acting stuff. Mm-hmm. But acting stuff and a baby will train you to nap and get up at all hours, which is something I didn't used to be able to do. Yes. I am a very – I'm a messy person, not filthy, but like cluttery. Um, however, the one area of my life that is orderly is my bed. How sexy is that? <laughs> but I used to all like the one thing I would do is always make my bed. Um, and after having a kid, I stopped being so rigorous with that because I was like, I'm getting out of bed now. I will see you in three hours because I oh, take yes. little naps throughout the day. So it was yeah, just a long, back. it was a long story. Oh, that's interesting. The, no, I like that. It took a turn because I actually was thinking, <laughs> it took a turn. You personified the bed. A lot happened very quickly yeah. in, the, in the writing and telling of that story. Thank you. It was, it was like my, <laughs> like my finger. Yeah. Like the story of my finger. On. I know. Uh, my mind was back. I was just wondering if when you are making the bed, are you doing it as soon as you wake up? Yes. Well, I yeah. was. It's changed. I was yeah. doing it as soon as I woke up and I would make my side of the bed. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking like hospital corners or anything. I just mean, right. you know, straightening the sheet, putting the the duvet on, like leaning the two pillows up and then putting the pillow sham in front of it while my husband was still in the bed. And mm-hmm. I would like feel the urge to make it up. So th- this is back before kids then in our old apartment. Okay. And so then I would go sit at my computer and like start my day and he was still asleep sometimes. And I would periodically get this pang of like, gotta go, gotta go make that bed, gotta go make the bed, but he would still be in it. And I would want to like, I wish I could just make it with him and still in it. Oh, tuck him in burrito (laughs) all the way down, all the way down the side. Tuck you in there. So you were the pillow over his head. Am I right? right? so tempted okay so you were leading a double life prior to the pandemic um how has your pandemic experience been um i've been loving it i am uh, i am pro staying home i'll never drive across town for a meeting or an audition ever again it was interesting that you were talking about the language the language and the ennui and and also the vax schedule because mm-hmm. there is a sense of movement and wanting to get back um I I did travel that's a whole other story but I would say a couple months ago I was going to bed really early and getting up with the sunrise and going on this hike and now I'm sort of coming out of that I feel like because I just today I was like not doing those sunrise hikes anymore. So I feel like there's a a type of that was a different style of pandemic where 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 I shifted Mm -hmm. probably because I was home so much and now normal things are coming in. Right. Again, I guess. Did you feel amazing when you were doing that? I mean, I can't imagine doing that, but that sounds like something that would make me feel really good about myself. It's, it feels really good. It's like a special time. It's like a special secret time. (laughs) There were a couple times I went out there and that shit was, it was still dark. I mean, that's amazing. That was kind of funky. It was, it is amazing though. Um, and then one time this was the best, worst time best because it's an exciting, good story. The worst time, because I let my dog off, you know, because that's his free time. Right. And there's a path. And he's a good boy. 
he just, you know, he does this thing, pretends to chase a rabbit, comes back. We ran into a den of coyotes. Oh, no. Fairly recently. And that was so scary because it was like, I mean, I looked over and I saw the one. Mm-hmm. And then he went after and I turned my head and it was like, boom, boom, boom. Like, oh, uh, like a bunch of them just looking at me in a semicircle. Oh, God. Oh, my God. So that, you know, he's an 80 pound golden retriever mix, but going into the den like that right. and also going off path where I couldn't see him. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, it was wild. I just snapped and started yes, screaming. Get out of there. You said the top yeah. of my lungs and trying to catch him. And I did get him back. I actually called my mother as I was coming back on the path. Mm-hmm. There was another one. Oh God. Like on the path looking at me. And then as I was coming out, you could hear them talking to each other. They're like, yip, 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 like discussing what just happened. Like, like yip, did you see her from 20, was, just from 24? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> did you see her? She did a stand up special in her garage. Yip, yip, yip. <laughs> Ask her if she knows Kiefer Sutherland. Ask her if they're best friends. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of cool and terrible and awesome at the same time. That is terrifying. So when you were yelling, get out of there, you were yelling at your dog. Or at the coyotes, because you're supposed to like, have you, do you know the term and coyote the hazing? Yeah. You're supposed to like was, yell at them. When I came out and saw the one on the path, I did that. Like, I was like, yeah, get out. Like, just made myself big and was like, yeah, get out of here. Like, I turned into, <laughs> I just turned into something. And it, and it was both types of yelling. Mm-hmm. I was screaming for my dog to come back and screaming so that they would go away. I have this, um, I did a COVID move and I have so many stories, which, which Avenue do I go down? I did a COVID move and I moved deeper into the Valley in the West against these rocks. That's why I have this beautiful hike in the morning. And there's like my neighbor, he's, you know, a 70 year old late sixties actor who was, he is always telling me about Mike hammer and, and he does early mornings too. He's like, telling me about his guest spot on the love boat. It's it's so great. He's been going out there for years. That morning I wasn't with him, but he carries a pack with an air gun. Oh, wow. But the one time he took it out, it was that classic thing where you could tell he didn't, it was all dusty and he hadn't really used it, you know? (laughs) And he has, why did he have some other stuff? He doesn't have tear gas, but like a whistle. And, you know, I was, he wasn't there. I'm just out there. Nothing. Right. just my body and my screaming. Um, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. That guy in the morning, I'm just like, really? Does he it's still act? AM, and he's like, got a screenplay <laughs> or he, or like right after the inauguration, he's like, Oh, I, I hate when uh, he hasn't done anything about the pandemic. I'm just like, dude, it's six in the morning. He's complaining about Joe Biden four days into it. I was like, go easy on me that okay so that is my husband whom i love but that is the stuff he hits me with when it's like 1 a.m and we were watching a tv show and i fell asleep but he didn't realize it and then i kind of come to and he's like talking about something political that he's impassioned about and i'm just like this is it and i don't want to use this word lightly but it feels abusive (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're, you are hurting my brain. I can't do yeah. it. I can't. Yeah. 
Um, and he knows that now, but anyway, but, um, so that was, that was going to be my question. Does he expect you to, to jump in there with him or, or hear it? No, he'll kind of catch himself and he'll apologize. I think this, fir- it, this first reared its head. Were we at married? I don't know, but, um, I had fallen asleep and then I got up to get something out of the kitchen. Let's not explore what that was about. And he was in the kitchen. Hold on. Wait a minute. What's she doing? Yeah. I mean, just a slight snacking, nibbling problem. Anyway, he. do you know Bill O'Reilly has a book called like Bold Fresh Piece of Humanity or something? So I come in. I had been asleep. And he, as he like seized on me as if he hadn't been like, (laughs) he ambushed me as if he had been like on, like, I haven't seen the movie cast away with the volleyball. He did a coup. He did a, um, an insurrection. He stormed, he stormed me, but it was like how I imagined Tom Hanks was at the end of Castaway. Like he hadn't seen another human being for so like he was so starved to talk to anyone that he had to talk to me about the fact that like, do they really expect us to? Be- so I guess the story is Bill O'Reilly named his book that because some nun had called him that in school or something. And he's like, he expects us to believe that that actually happened. There is no way someone actually called him a bold, fresh piece of humanity. That's, re- I mean, just went like this long thing about how preposterous the whole thing is. And I just, I, st- I still remember it. That's how, that's how much I didn't want to have that conversation at that moment. That's intense. I feel like he should be a, a pundit of some yeah. sort. I know. He kind of, he's been trying to do fewer political tweets because he feels that he's losing his his following because they don't yeah because he can get intense about politics the thing is i agree with him just with less fervor yes i hope it's clear he's very progressive and not bill o'reilly ish i just just in case anyone thought that i was saying that he was like reading the book and into bill o'reilly i wanted to be clear that he's not it's It's hard to be political and walk that line you know because i love when people put it out there Mm -hmm. and that can make for a really strong following and really engaged and they're ignited i don't know why i've been i like that word the past few days but uh but yeah it's tough because then sometimes it's just like oh come on like yeah or if you do that then you are you have to be you are political right you know then you become that yeah yeah. Um, I think this is the last thing I'll say about him because this is not a show about him. What am I doing? Um, Man, come on. I, I still want to hear what you were snacking on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I know when I was pregnant because I was recently looking at old photos and I had posted a picture of pr- they made like a sugar cookie flavored Pringles. Does anyone remember this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um it was a sweet wow. Pringle and I, I did a picture. I took a picture of the canister and a picture of ready fat free ready whip. And I think I just captioned it like I'm pregnant or something because I was putting Were those are the chips that call caused anal leakage. That was another time. No, that but I, I mean, you were talking to the right person when it comes to anal leakage. Just kidding. <laughs> no, you're talking about Olestra. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You had the word at the ready. I know. I, I have so, I mean, just a lifetime of <clears throat> dieting and weight up and weight down. And so this is really in my, in my uh, wheelhouse. I never had it, but Olestra was one of those early fake fats. And the problem was it caused oh, anal leakage. I remember when I had a roommate who, and this is like aging me, but if you remember Olestra, I think it was around the time of when snack wells. Oh, yeah. Like I remember she would always get snack wells. And I feel like they may. Or may not have had Olestra. But but yeah, that whole fad of eat a bunch of chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, snack wells are still around, by the way. They are, right? Yeah. So I, and I, I must get this off my chest. In my viral tweet about how does everyone feel when they wake up, someone wrote, I can't believe it's not butter is poison. Because I enjoy I can't believe it's not butter spray. And... I didn't want to waste my time. You know, I didn't want to give attention to the the negative feedback. So I didn't say anything. But what I was thinking is, it's really not. It's just, it's it's like soybean oil, water, and a hint of cream or something. <laughs> and hey, salt. Clap back. Yeah. I'm going to tweet on your behalf. You, you just did on this podcast. Thank you. I hope you. he's listening. I just had a rousing convo with my friend about our love. And we've talked about coffee often. Whatever I had, I, we, but I didn't know because I was admitting to her. I'm like, I love coffee mate, oh, powdered yeah. coffee mate, sure. and she's like, me too. And she sort of it likes more high end coffee mm-hmm. than me. So when she admitted that she used it, I felt so validated, and we just you know we're back and forth about how it's all chemicals. So like, um, do you love when you go? Actually, do they still have coffee with powdered creamer at the bank? Maybe that's aging yeah. me. They used to always have that. I don't know if they still yes. do. Yeah. Or, or in hotels. I just had that yeah. recently. And I had to ask for new. Oh, this was bad. I had to ask for new powdered creamer because it was actually hard. And yes. And had, had solidified into one thin tablet that was breaking. <laughs> and I was like, I can't work with this. Um, I feel and like. That ne- probably never been replaced. <laughs> right. <clears throat> I feel like Coffee Mate powder. It like gives your coffee a all caps cream flavor. It's more cream in all caps, you know, than actual dairy. Yes. It, yes, that is right. We got to bring that Tony in. Correct. Tony, I need to know, how do you feel about powdered creamer? Snapchat. Uh, powder, I have not, I used to use it all the time. Uh, but Uh-oh. I, it's been a long time since I've, cause I've, I, I think I've talked about this before. I, I have developed a weird aversion to hot coffee. Oh, I like pretty much only drink iced coffee or cold brew now. I don't, I can't explain it. I don't know why, but that's just my preference now. Do you ever do tea? Every now and then, but I'm not, not a, not a no, big No, if you're drinking iced coffee, you're not, you're not, you don't need to go there even. You got yeah. iced coffee. How about iced tea? I don't like iced tea. Okay. And you drink your iced coffee uh, black? Yeah. Okay. I had to, I had to get myself there. It, took, it was like a process. I was trying to cut out all the sugar and all that stuff. So just started like taking, you know, a little less and less over time. And now I don't think twice about it. And do you actually, and you, do you prefer it this way though, do you think? I, I've gotten to where I do, yeah. How is that possible? Mary Lynn, what do you put? You, well, we know you put in the powdered Have creamer. You? ever had from Starbucks, I did this during the pandemic, 
when I was staying in an Airbnb, it was my, it, it delighted my world. It was the thing I went to for a while, but it'll jack you up. The the Starbucks iced coffee with the salted caramel foam cream no, stuff. Oh, that sounds amazing. And it is decadent. Next level. It is so freaking good. And they put it over ice. For a while, I was getting it from that spigot, like how they do it, like beer, like craft. <laughs> a draft. I, I ordered it wrong, beer. but then it turned out to be right because then they were putting it on ice with that layer of cream. Mm. That was a little bit of caramel and salt, but it's not cream. It's like, I don't know what it is. How did this? It's almost like, rip, it's more like whipped cream. And now how did that work with the ice of the drink? Don't even think about it. You mix it in. I mean, you do think about yeah. it better, better than you could imagine. Hmm. I mean, it seems weird because it's going in the crevice, crevasse of the ice. And right. Everything. It sounds interesting. It's nice. It makes a bit of a mess. Sometimes you have to like lick the rim and you, you, you know, you, you. I'll lick a rim. Can, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Is there a song? For, is there a button for that one? That really should be. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you were in an Airbnb because, and yes. you did a pandemic move and I know that you, um, divorced cause this is in your special, you divorced right before the pandemic, right? Yes. How was all too. that going? You did? Yeah. Tell me. Great timing, huh? Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm actually going on about two years of the divorce now, but I got, equity out of my house Mm -hmm. and then moved farther in the valley, which I thought was a pretty smooth move because I, you know, I was having pandemic panic. I had a bunch of gigs canceled. Mm -hmm. All my next work was live. um, Actually, it was Comic Cons. Oh, yeah. And so I had a big chunk of those. But, you know, I think like everybody, it wasn't a full on emergency situation, but it just put into perspective how I, I felt like I had been living like well, I'm going to get that next big thing. And it's like, you know what? Just no. So then for a few reasons, it was that because I could, because the house had equity. It was in a hot like Encino neighborhood. That was the house of our you know, family before mm-hmm. the divorce. And then my son's school is closer to where I moved. So I thought it was a pretty smooth move, but it was a little bit touch and go to be in an Airbnb with my dog and my cat. And then my son didn't want to stay there. Oh, that was rough because, and I, you know, that was the hardest thing about that was not being home base, you Mm -hmm. know, not having the family house, which I was in charge of. And, and I think you, it's a very mom thing, you know, to be like, yeah, I've got the cozy home. And then all of a sudden I was in the weird Airbnb. It's, it was called the cockroach cottage. And uh, (laughs) it sounds lovely. Thank you. And that was kind of funky and it was sort of charming in that, you know, when you're adult, an adult and you're, you kind of enjoy shitty things Mm -hmm. just because it's like an experience, you know, the neighbors, they were really nice, but this one, this guy had a dog, a little dog that was just attack. Like it was Mm -hmm. an attack machine and he'd be like, she just wants to play. I'm like, that dog is biting my ankles. Um, But yeah, it was a cockroach cottage. My son didn't want to stay there. And that was tough. I watched a lot of Peaky Blinders and um, drank wine and got used to cockroaches. So that was an experience, you know, because I'm used to living like a queen on the sure. top of the hill in a castle. So to, yeah. to, to live with that. And then towards the end, the, the, the 
bathtub started like it wasn't draining properly oh, so i would have water around my ankles oh because you know what they did when the when the airbnb it looks so cute in the pictures and i was like i'm gonna take a bath it's gonna be okay that bathtub they they didn't never replaced it they refinished the porcelain like painted over it so it was chipping off oh so they did it so it would like look like right. it was redone but it was not redone but they they did let me keep my cat and dog at there, and um, I, it was right by Vallarta, so I had a lot of, like, carne asada and prayer candles and really good chips and salsa. Um, and then I would take walks, and everybody, for some reason, there was a lot of furniture on the street, which I don't really understand. Like, are people moving or they're not picking up? But those were really fun stories in my Instagram because I would always be like, you know... For your viewing room or like couch <laughs> oh, yes. sale. I think I saw that. Yeah. That was a really fun time uh, to, I kind of miss that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really going off on, I forgot what the reason for me even talking about this is. I'm just, like, oh, I was just asking, talking. I was asking um, how There's you're no doing post divorce. Oh, so I'm doing good. Good. Sorry, I got That's caught okay. up in the details of that neighborhood. But yeah, so yeah, I have the new condo. When he ever gets back into school full time, it'll be really nice because it's situated between his um, his um, middle school and his high school. So, mm-hmm. and then my ex is about ten miles away now. So it's a bit, you know, it's a little healthy distance. This is a right? totally nosy question. Um, you don't have to answer it, but do you guys get along? We do. It was actually a bit of a relief. Because we're sweetly transactional and it was sort of always like that. And mm. it was a relief because I wasn't trying to be more intimate and have more connection, which I was doing for a decade, mm-hmm. you know? So it was like, oh, okay. It's actually a little bit better. I mean, if he doesn't hate me, I have, I'm walking a line by talking about him in my stand up act. But, you know, you got to. Yeah. You got to take that kernel of pain and then turn it up a notch. That's what you do. And then get the comedies out of it. That's what you do. Yeah. Um, you were just in the Cayman Islands, right? Yes. Um, what were, uh, actually, I don't know. What, no, you know what? I'm going to say, what were you doing? I was doing an independent movie and it was very out of the blue. I got a call from my agent and I was, I mean, I'm like, wasn't working you know, and this came out of nowhere. And, and, and she said, can you go to the Cayman Islands in two days for wow. five weeks? It was the best working experience ever. It was the best ever. It was like the most beautiful place. I stayed on a resort. I wow. quarantined for two weeks and just looked over the beautiful resort. And then once we started shooting, your off time is just, oh, I'll go to the ocean. I'll go see stingrays. I'll go jet skiing. I'm going to stay by the pool today. It was incredible. Why? I was just thinking about this yesterday. Why does everything in this industry happen so last minute? I don't understand. It's a great question. I don't think I'm alone in this. I feel like I am, but I can't be. And I don't think I am where I I will get the next day audition. And I'm like, I'm never, I will never be ready for a next day audition. But do you still do it? Sometimes depending on 
if it's easy and I feel like I can handle it without reading the script. Mm. Um, yeah, it's weird. There was one recently that was based on a documentary about a murder. They sent me three episodes and I read and I, I blew off the audition and I was like, I'm not, I'm going to read that when I feel like reading it. And if they let me send it in, so then I read them all and then I realized my part was like based on a woman who actually existed. And so then I was about to tape it and I was like, oh, wait, that's a that woman is real. So then that gave me another pause. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. My, Hard to care and be a professional, you know, th- you're it languishing because you're languishing. <laughs> <laughs> no. Beyond we. Yes, I first of all, I'm not. I never, but back in my auditioning days, I would, I think, I think I was awful. Like I never booked anything. So first of all, I should not even be speaking about this. And second of all, I don't mean to be as a non-actress. I also don't want to be like an actress complaining. So all those disclaimers, what I was thinking about last night was I was thinking back in the auditioning days, basically they would call you and say, you have an audition tomorrow. And from the time you get the call until the time you show up, your entire, if, if you're going to be remotely prepared, in my experience, your right. entire life is just about getting ready for that. Right. And does every single person who auditions have a life that is conducive to that? They must. Yes. I think that's a certain type of actor and person that has organized their life around that. So they can do whatever they do in between auditions. And then I don't know, I guess some people enjoy that to me every time it's like, it's I'm enraged because it's like my time and my energy. Right. And like, if you have kids, how do you do that? How do you do that? Because it takes, time to I mean also I was always stressed about if there was and there's usually specific directions about how to what to wear and I was like what if I don't have the right thing what if I have to go run out to a store what if I ah, very stressful I think there are people that are really good actors Mm -hmm. that like that I love acting but I don't like doing that right but I feel like I mean you you must be good at auditions though right I've gotten a lot better Mm. i'm not great at self-tape because of the ennui and the (laughs) languish yeah and when i have to read with somebody it forces an immediacy and it forces me to make choices and have a relationship it just helps to Mm -hmm. be with a person i'm I'm old school that way right (laughs) i want to be in a scene with somebody um but yeah it's a weird Um, it's weird. When I first started, I was out of my mind and that's why I booked work because I think I was just very, just put it all out there. But I also had an attitude. I was like a street urchin, you know, like, (laughs) like just like extra large t-shirt, like, "Eh." and I, I looking back, I, I had a really good run of just, I don't know, had a zeitgeist personal zeitgeist moment where I was very hireable for, for a window of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got older and I was like, I'm actually better and I respect the process more, but I'm getting less work than when I was like, eh, let's go, let's go. 
what are you going to do for me? I didn't mean, I didn't say that, but that was my attitude. I was like mad at the casting director, you know, I was like, what? what's their problem? <laughs> and I would get hired. But they say, I've heard that your attitude is supposed to be like, I'm going to the party. Are you coming? And right. not, I'm not waiting for an invite. The party's happening. I'm going there. Are you, I mean, like I'm being silly, but you're supposed well, to have, have that attitude, right? I have my attitude is not that, but very similar. I, I think this is just one thing I'm doing in my day, whatever. Yeah. You, you ha- have that attitude. So you, you can't seem like you want the job. Right. Such right. A just like dating. Mind F. Yeah. 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 Not that I would know. I'm terrified. But okay. But I'm curious about how, what your attitude actually was like back then during your personal zeitgeist. Do you like, was it just extreme confidence slash almost arrogance or like in what way were you like out of control if that was the term you used and if not sorry if i just put words no, in your not mouth since you no i like since you use the word confidence and arrogance i believe it there is that psychological thing where you're like i'm amazing i'm the worst what is that called where you're like i'm a piece of crap i'm the greatest thing ever i probably had a bit of that like the, put like the extremes or bipolar <laughs> <laughs> I'm not diagnosing it. I was trying to describe it. <laughs> the extremes. Bipolar. Binary. Um, Binary. I don't know. Um, no, it's like, uh, I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. I don't think it's bipolar. <laughs> no, that's not thinking. what I mean. But the It's like, it is an imbalance though. It's because you're not being in a normal zone. Mm-hmm. It's like a high or low. Right. That's how I used to perform as well. I wouldn't even have material. I would just throw myself out on stage and it would force something to come out of me. And I was like desperate for self-expression because I felt like I was imploding and I was really awkward socially. And so performing gave me this, it was like this tightrope that I walked and I just loved it because mm-hmm. it gave me sort of, a purpose and a reason to speak. That's so um, interesting. Yeah. You felt like you were imploding. Yes. Can you say more about that? I, uh, I went to art school for painting and I was, couldn't, I didn't really, I, I, I wanted to connect. I think that imploding comes from feeling like I wasn't, engaging with the world, mm-hmm. being myself, doing what I wanted to do, saying what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the act of performing and then, and then I was doing performance art, but then I started making fun of performance <laughs> art. So when I first started doing comedy, people would laugh at me, but I didn't know why they were laughing. So it was all very experimental. And so my laughs came at, you know, the awkward points or, or the tension mm-hmm. from people knowing that I genuinely did not know what I was going to say next. So then if I did make connections, it would be that much more magical because mm-hmm. I didn't know my own mind or myself enough. Now I'm finally getting to the point where I can be like, oh, here's what I think about this. But then I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know anything. Like, I, you know, I didn't identify with the standup because that was like a man talking about what's on his mind. And I was like the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, okay. I know you were born in Michigan. Is that where you grew up as well? Yes. South of Detroit. And then did you go to San Francisco for art school? I did. Um, and then you came to LA after that? 
Mm -hmm. I was doing a bunch of open mics in San Francisco and I met comedians there that were also doing these funky open mics. There Mm -hmm. was like a crossover between they could do stuff at these rooms that they wouldn't do in the comedy clubs. And I was very attracted to that, Mm -hmm. that solo performer that knew their voice so well. And I was like, oh, those are comics. I didn't really know what it was. Mm -hmm. But I was very drawn to, you know, like I saw Patton Oswalt in San Francisco in the 90s, you know, on an off night. And I was like, he knows his voice and he knows even if he's just riffing, he's much, he has that like clarity and, you know, he, he knows himself. He mm-hmm. knows how, how it's functioning, how it's affecting the audience. Like he has that posture and that control, even if he's having like a casual, doesn't know what he's saying, he kind of does. Right. And there was a bunch of people like that. There was a whole group of people and I ended up driving to LA to do live shows and then just moving to LA with that sort of click of people and doing live shows. It was the best. It was like all I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then at what point did you start doing Mr. Show? It was not too long after I came to LA, probably a couple of years in because that was the group I was with um, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross when they were developing those shows live. Mm -hmm. So, and I was able to be in some of those live shows that they used to, um, you know, like executives came out from HBO to the live shows to see them because that's what you had to do at that time. You had to go see something live. Right. Which is pretty wild. Was, did that feel at the time, like a really heady time, like a really special time? Yes, very much. Very much. I was just like, so turned on by it and excited to be even around it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I got to do it, I was just thrilled, just like bounce, bouncing out of my skin, (laughs) giddy about it. I'm curious about um, your childhood. And you had said that you were socially awkward and sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about what led you, like the forces that kind of created the person who didn't yet know herself and felt she was imploding and, and didn't feel that you had permission to speak and that kind of stuff. Like what was your, this is, this is very therapist, but what was your childhood like? Very therapist. Um, what was my childhood like? Um, I mean, I did theater when I was a kid. I just, I guess I, felt like I had to do the right thing Mm -hmm. and that it was better for me to talk as little as possible. And it was better for me to not show people what I was feeling Mm -hmm. because I felt like I would get into trouble or it would make my parents mad or it would just be too much. Or if I wanted to be helpful, I should just be a good girl Mm -hmm. and and also there was just like not, it, it was not, uh, there wasn't a lot to do or, or t- to interact with. Mm-hmm. So I just listened. Yeah. I have that good girl thing too, that I'm like, you do to- very much. So I'm still working on trying to seek approval from randos <laughs> far less than I like. I'm yeah. Like that's like my, that's such a big thing is just needing. And do you think that comes from like wanting to be good within a family? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It comes from, I mean, yes, it comes from needing, it comes from my parents approval 
being there and then being taken away and being there and taken away. And, and each time that happened, it felt <clears throat> like a trauma. And so I'm very much like I will walk on eggshells and I need like to for someone to be displeased with me feels awful. I can't handle it. I mean, I'm learning how, but that's sort of what, what was it like for like, did your parent, did your parents want you to be a good girl? Interesting question. Did they want me to be? Um, I, I, I guess, I guess I felt like I had to do the right thing or maybe do what my mom thought was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. or I didn't want to disappoint her. Yeah. I didn't want to upset her. Maybe like I was almost a part of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot unsaid. Uh, maybe like I didn't even really know what was going on, you know, because they didn't really argue. It was always a unified front mm. of, well, you know, we want you to do this this way. Um, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I've never really uh, thought about it in terms of how I would even describe it. Mm hmm. Yeah, and there also was, and by the way, my parents, and they probably, they might hear this, and if they do, hi guys, um, <laughs> the, I think that they would be dismayed to hear me say this because they, they really tried not to be this way, but there really was, I got, I won't even put it on them, I got the sense there was a right and a wrong in most situations. Absolutely, me too. And I, and I think that's why I'm, because I am to that point in my life where I don't, blame my parents. And that's probably why I'm having a hard time describing it because I, I wouldn't put that on them right. either, even though it sort of is because <laughs> that's, the, that's the climate that was created. I don't think they knew that, that they were doing it. Obviously mm-hmm. they're doing the best that they can do. Um, but I think my mom was maybe worried and felt like she had a lot on her shoulders and that was transferred to me mm-hmm. and probably it made me not want to say stuff because I thought she's going to be worried or she's going to disapprove or it's going to cause trouble. Yeah. So it was like a weird self-fulfilling prophecy that she didn't want to push me away, but ended up through her, anxiety. through her own anxiety do- doing that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I almost felt like I needed to break away and do my own thing and not tell them because if I did like every step of the way, I would be I wouldn't be able to do it unless I sort of broke off. Mm-hmm. Were they supportive of you pursuing art, the arts, both performing and and painting? Yes. Yeah, they were and as much as they could be. Yes. Um, speaking of all of this stuff, I want to tell you guys that uh, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're feeling depressed or struggling with relationships or having difficulty sleeping or meeting your goals, BetterHelp offers online professional counselors who can listen and help. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, which I know right now people have been having trouble finding therapists. And I say to them, Better help. They will get you to someone in under 48 hours. Um, and a couple prominent podcasters, and they've mentioned it on their podcast, are currently doing therapy through BetterHelp. And 
uh, are so happy to be happy might be a weird word to apply to this, but they're no, they they feel like it's it's going really well. Another thing about BetterHelp that I think is great is if you feel like the first therapist you are uh, matched with isn't the right match, you can change as many times as you want for no charge. So you don't have to worry that oh, I'm this is a commitment. What if it doesn't feel right? Blah blah blah. Which are those are like all very normal thoughts when you're starting therapy or restarting therapy. Um, but uh, they account for that. So you they will get you to the right person. Our listeners get 10% off their first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash best friend. Visit betterhelp, that's better, H-E-L-P.com slash best friend and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp professional. So again, that's betterhelp, better, H-E-L-P.com slash best friend. Okay. Well, was that your way of telling me to get get some better help? Yeah. I feel like I just yeah. yeah, I mean, well, the first thing was my, you know, accidentally throwing out the term bipolar earlier and then no, I'm just kidding. I I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> You're, you're like I can I can tell by your Instagram that you're by <laughs> No, I really was just trying to think of a word that, that I know. En- I threw it out there. I didn't know the term either. The duality of the high highs and the low lows. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, I know you have a heart out in a little while. I feel like we are merely scratching the surface. We have some segments to get to, so I think we should do that. But just promise me that you'll come back one day. I would love to. Okay, wonderful. I didn't know we were going to get into, I feel like we got into like a therapeutic area and I really enjoy that, but I was a little bit like, maybe I'll go, maybe I'll get some better help. And then the (laughs) next time we talk, I'll be able to articulate. I think I I, I enjoy that and I want to hear more about your stuff. Okay, good. We have a a date to talk about our stuff. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so I have some questions that people sent in on Patreon. We have Just Mirror Everyone. We have Hey, Go Fuck Yourself. Um, I say let's do Just Me or Everyone. Tony. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, this is where listeners write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or everyone? And uh, Mary Lynn has one. Although, allow me to just... Okay, so you know how I've been spending too much time on Facebook lately? After, like, I have a real social media problem, but it didn't include Facebook. And then recently, for terrible reasons, I kind of got back on Facebook. It has just gone disastrously... I, you know, had my run in with that horrible, horrible women of this awful private moms group, and I hate them all. But then I'm also a member of another group. And in this other group, which is for it's it's an it's another group's it's another podcaster's private group. Someone was like, just me or everyone, blah, 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 blah. And it took all my strength to not write either you should submit that to my show or like, oh, that's my segment or something because I feel an ownership over just me or everyone. But I felt like it would be bad form to swoop in on another podcast and be like, my podcast, my podcast. So anyway, I had to get that off my chest. Also, finger update, still hurts a little bit red in the cuticle zone. Okay, Marilyn, what is your just me or everyone? I realized that I will be brushing my teeth and then... I, I, it's like I get 
bored or I can't stand there. And I then will walk around the house brushing my teeth <laughs> and end up downstairs by the kitchen sink where my toothbrush will stay. For How maybe interesting. A so or you- sometimes I will take the floss. I've realized I'm doing that too, where I'll just be like, I'm going to floss somewhere else. Because I can't just stay in one yeah. place, the bathroom, and finish this task. This is not just you. This has come up before, but this is the first oh, time. Good. This is the first time the multiple sink situation has been brought up. Like, I feel okay. like people are usually like homing pigeons in that they might take a, take lap, a lap, but they end mm-hmm. up back in their bathroom sink. But okay. not you. You are really charting your own course. <laughs> Wow. It's like a dream interpretation. You want to chart your own, yes. your own course. That's right. And also the floss. I mean, I miss, like I said, messy person, cluttered, cluttery person. I misplace things. I'll have like, this is my what item that go that lives in the car. Lip gloss or whatever, mm. nail file. Or something. Mm. I, I've actually never put a nail file in the car, but I like the idea of it. And this is um, my... that I, I like to have a cuticle cutter in the car. Is that weird? No, I think that's good. You know or what needs tweezers. to be? Yes. Tweezers. That's what you see say. things in that car mirror. The Maybe best you know. place to see every bit of everything on your face is the car. So Why tweezers. I think it's just the sunlight, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Tweezers are good for that. Um, but anyway, so I, and then I can't find my other, so like I'm, I'm forever having like three of one item in one spot because I'm not rigorous about making sure this one just goes here. All, all of this is a way of saying, despite all that, the only place my toothbrush and my floss ever is, <laughs> is my bathroom sink. I, d- I don't get creative with it. I just, there's something about walking through the house, brushing my teeth. It feels icky to me like aren't you just dripping a little bit okay it's not icky (laughs) that was so judgmental i I forgot how we got here it stays in my mouth what'd you say stays in my it stays in my mouth there's no dripping (laughs) happening (laughs) um i I guess not that's good that's good i guess when it starts to drip i hightail it over to the kitchen sink that's right. what happens that's, that's exactly what happens that's smart i yeah. might be in the tv area i'm walking through the front room mm-hmm. i gotta head it that's how it ends up at the kitchen sink i mean i am oh i will say lately i've gotten a bit of toothbrushing wanderlust i will stand there and i'll just be like what if i just started doing some other stuff right now too i could check my phone i could do something related to getting the bed i'm it makes, I think that makes me feel like I'm brushing my teeth longer, which I enjoy. You probably are, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's good. It's good oral health. Okay. Um, let's see here. Jonathan Pierce says, when I'm not listening to Alison Rosen as your new best friend, thank you, my music preferences are typically dictated by the seasons. Spring, summer equals mm. ska, punk, pop. Fall equals jazz, classical. Thanksgiving to Christmas, Christmas music, obviously. Winter equals alt or metal. Mm. Um, and then hashtag ska isn't dead. It's just hibernating through winter. <laughs> <laughs> I what Amazing. were we watching recently? Oh, The Crown, where there was like a first wave ska song at the end, and I was like, I don't, because I am from Orange County, you know, so ska is very big down mm-hmm. there, and I was like, I don't need to hear much of this anymore. Mm-hmm. 
it's so it it takes me right to a specific time that I don't need to be in anymore. Um, I I like to listen to Christmas music around Christmas, but other than that, I don't think my music is seasonal. Mm-mm. No, I was I've I've been obsessed with The Handmaiden's Tale. I'm I'm guessing that you guys will not know this song, but they do that too, where they play anachronistically. That's not the right word. Yeah, no, that is the right word. Songs that don't fit. Westworld did that too. Right. It's sort of a thing with Mm -hmm. like dramas or whatever. So she's going in to get, you know, made love to raped by her commander for the ceremony. And, but it's with the Bradley Whitford character who has art in his house and he's kooky. And, um, the song Ichigo Park is playing. Oh, I don't know that song. Who's that uh, by? Ichigo Park. The, 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 what do we do there? We get high. It's from the 60s and it talks about how we get high uh-huh. and how the universe is beautiful. It's by Small Faces. But I know that it was on the radio with all, rotating with all the other hits of the 60s. But it's such, such a goofy it's a good song, but it's silly. You know how there's that genre like up, up and away in my big red balloon uh-huh. or like windy. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> like it's, it's got that. I unabashedly like, yeah, I like all that. Like silly. Whimsical. silly. It's almost like in the same genre is um, love the one you with, mm-hmm. but it's even more ridiculous because right. it's called Kiku Park. <laughs> but it also is musically sound mm-hmm. and pretty groovy, but it is, silly af and she's waiting to like be forced to sleep with this guy right uh anyway that was my way too long i do not have seasons but i felt compelled to share that i'm i'm glad you did i cannot do and by do i mean watch handmaid's tale it, I oh made it through like two episodes and then I was like, this is haunting me. It's, it, it is I'm haunting. too sensitive. It's haunting. Yeah. You're right. Now, I mean, on the other hand, it is the best show. It is haunt. It is relentlessly it's too upsetting. violent and, and oppressive. And, and, and early on, like the first few episodes, I'm like, this is sexy and it's creeping me out. <laughs> she, she's so oppressed in her little kerchief. And I'm like, am I a little bit turned on? <laughs> By how like she's beaten down right. and how demure she is, I'm like this is so disturbing, and it just gets worse. But then it gets better. Oh, does it get better? Like easier to watch? No. Okay. No. Yeah. It gets then I think terrible, but it gets better conceptually when it when she starts uncovering this place and and the different factors mm-hmm. uh, of resistance and um how she changes and is able to like not die. And, and then also as it goes on and and what happens to people when they get out of it. Oh, they can get uh, out. They can't, but that's part of the show is it shows you some people do. Right. Some people die trying, Mm. Um, but it is bonkers. Maybe I'll just do what I did back when I decided not to watch it, which is I'll just read the Wikipedia summary plot summaries. Cause Good then point. I can know what happens without having to see it. Tony, have you Don't seen do it? That. <laughs> Super. I mean, it's such a good show, but so, so disturbing. So disturbing. Yeah. I've, I've seen it. My ex-wife used to watch it, but uh, I, I He's didn't, not. I started to watch it and I, yeah, I just didn't stick with it. It wasn't, it wasn't for me. Um, do you, any equivalent for you that's like for Tony that's like The Handmaid's Tale? 
Let me guess, The Mandalorian? <laughs> That's di- like disturbing, you mean? Yeah. Like, or like a dark, heavy, yeah, or dystopian? Mm, not currently. Or maybe just disturbing. Yeah. Man, I'm blanking. Yeah, I haven't, I yeah. Really, weirdly haven't been watching a ton lately. Um, yeah, I got, I got nothing on that. I'm sorry. I feel like uh, when I, uh, the same way with music, like, uh, I, I, Feel like I generally want uplifting. It maybe doesn't yeah, have to go that far with Ichigo uplifting. Park. Like, <laughs> Ichigo Park. Yeah. I just yeah. I don't. I don't want the depressing things generally. Every now and then, sure, but overall, no. Um. All right. Let's quickly do. Hey, go fuck yourself. And then we got to get to the questions of which we are not going to have time to do all of them. So apologies to everyone. Okay. So Marilyn, do you have? Uh, do you have someone you need to tell off? Yes, I do. It is um, jury duty. <laughs> I've already turned you down once, not just not just regular jury duty. I wrote pandemic. How dare I like how dare you? City of LA, you are my kids not in school. You just send me a regular jury duty with all of the like triggers of like red blocks and like get back to us or you're going to be arrested. It's like really how about you get back to me and tell me how you're handling corona, you assholes. L.A. Superior Court. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Perfect. Yes. Um, I also was like, are you kidding with this? Like it, you pull it out of the envelope, your official notice, and it like unfolds like 15 times. It's like a scroll. Yeah. But ah. I had City of Burbank uh, and I called them just to find out how late might it go on a certain day? Cause I was scheduling a podcast that day and she's like, yo, you have next week. Oh, you're not going to need to come in. It was so nice. She, she's like, I mean, still call wow. every day, but I don't think we have any cases. That's um, really sweet. It was. Or maybe I should just call. Yeah. Like, but why I, are you generating that? It's BS. It's weird. Tony had it too and didn't have to go in. So what yeah, I would and say, I've heard lots of people like, it sounds like nobody, everybody's been getting them, but nobody has to go. They it sent it like. to me again. After I put pandemic, they resent it. I'm like, yeah, because I'm sure they're like, Haha, she thinks she's getting out of it because of the pandemic. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to give you the bad advice, but it seems like most likely people are not actually having to to do to go in. Well, that's amazing that you even got to talk to somebody and it yeah. wasn't an automated system. I know. Um, I, I, maybe I'll try to call. Yeah, you just call. I just called the courthouse and they like put gave me the number for someone in the jury pool or whatever. And she was actually she was very nice. And I'm not trying to pull that I'm a huge celebrity card because I'm not. But I also am very familiar looking. And I swear the time I did it, it was a Lemon Law case. The prosecutor kept losing his train of thought when he tried to make meaningful eye contact with me <laughs> because he was trying to place. I could see it in his face. He was trying to place where he knew me from. You're an international so there, superstar. There's my out right there. Yeah, you're, you'll be way too distracted. Well, I am. Um, okay. This. <laughs> All right. We have some questions that we got on Patreon. I am on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. All sorts of fun stuff. You get bonus episodes weekly or almost weekly, Zoom parties, uh, new perk where if you're at the confidant level, $10 and above, you can text me and receive texts from me. I've been doing it for about a week now. It is so much fun. Um, Oh, you can watch 
the Thursday show episodes, the Monday show episodes like this one, those are on YouTube, youtube.com slash Alison Rosen. And I'm just giving that away. Um, but uh, please join my Patreon, patreon.com slash Alison Rosen. You can also submit questions for the guests. Okay, let's hear the song. When we ask this and them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. Stephen Blackwood has two questions. Ask her about her time on Larry Sanders, and did she have a problem with the politics of 24? Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. First of all, I didn't realize that the uh, questions would be directed towards me. Yes. And those are really thoughtful questions. Um, thank you for asking. Um, what were they? It was, uh, <laughs> ask her about her time on Larry Sanders. My time on Larry Sanders. Um, it was amazing. Similar to Mr. Show in that I was so green and I was just so happy to be anywhere. And the fact, the caliber of that show and the mm-hmm. people that were on that show was just like mind blowing. So I was very scared, but the work was enough, like just enough to not make me kind of lose my crap, you know? And I will say really quickly that one time I was like, Hey, let me get that coffee. And Gary stopped me while we were shooting. He goes, what are you thinking? And he basically called me on the fact that I had no subtext. And in that moment, I got like the biggest acting lesson. Cause I was like, I don't know. Like he asked me what my intention was. It was sort of like a cut the cameras and everyone's waiting while he's correct. He's correcting me mm-hmm. in the best possible way. Like right. In a way. But he was like, I know you didn't like, you're not making an informed choice. You're just sort of saying this. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that was like amazing on many levels. And also the way they wrote the comedy was like so emotional that you wouldn't uh, emotional in the sense that it was so connected to the characters that sometimes when you read it, it wouldn't be hilarious until you heard those characters read it. And then mm-hmm. you're just like, Oh my God. Cause the, cause the, it was so based on the reality of those characters is what made the joke. So it was amazing. Um, yeah, I did a lot of um, things for 24. You know, luckily, I kind of skirted by that because the show itself was getting a lot of flack for depictions of torture as being viable. And some of the characters that played terrorists in the show, you know, got flack and the producers got flack for writing it that way, even though they tried to sort of grow and make it different and not so... uh profiling maybe in the Mm -hmm. way that it started out um but we did have both executive producers and fans who were on both sides of the aisle and i and i was a little bit i got to just be like i'm a wisecracking you know computer expert that's trying to fight for good so i didn't really get the brunt of that but um you know it's not great. And and Kiefer Sutherland is Canadian, you know, like he's a socialist from Canada and, and nobody really talks about that. And he became that icon of like right and wrong, black and white, you right. know, fight for your country, torture to get what you want. And also it, it was good for discussion and, and super compelling viewing, you know, and the fact that it that people were talking about it says something about the state, more about the state of our country than the state of that show. Yeah. Ultimately entertainment. Um, Amy Freehill says, what was her experience like playing Gail the Snail on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Hands down, my favorite character to come out of that show. She needs a spinoff. 
Are you kidding me? You're oh fans. They're the, they're the best. They're the best. I can't believe these questions. That is so sweet. Um, Yellow Snail, amazing. I didn't pre-build the character before I went in there because I don't usually do that, even though I had some ideas. But once I got on set, we were reading through it and they're like, hmm. And the guys, like they really all three sort of worked together. They did at that time. I don't know if there's more people in the, in the mix now, but uh, sort of as a unit, as we were rehearsing it, and they're like, you're hmm, you're too likable. <laughs> Just too dark. Because they're like, we're disgusting, and you need to be more disgusting than us. Like, Danny DeVito's character is disgusting. You need to be more disgusting than him. And so we kept like going back into the hair and makeup, but we didn't want it to be cartoonish. And it was... I, the process was amazing because I got to go inside and find like my real Gail the snail. And like, what would I really act like if I were truly this disgusting? <laughs> and we, did, we sort of did it on the day quickly, you know, as they were prepping to, to find the right tone. And for me, it was like super gratifying because I found that person who would act like that, that is real, that is inside of me. And I urge everyone to find their inner Gail the snail. <laughs> and I also had a scene where I was humping a pillow which I would not do, but for comedy, they're like, can you hump this pillow? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> like, I think my butt crack was showing and it got like cut out. It was on the cutting room floor, but she is really gross. So, all right, we have two minutes um, and there's too many questions. So I think this is what we should do. I've never done this before. I'm going to ask a question and you give like a one word answer. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to do it fast. Okay. Can she share some stories from her girls' guitar club days with some Karen Kilgariff? Are they still friends? Uh, you know yes, what? No. Of <laughs> <laughs> course, okay. I could share some stories. No, we are not still friends. Um. Okay. Oh my God, that begs so many more questions, but I, I must know. adhere. It's so juicy. But that was a great time in my life. Uh, we we really were trying to play guitar together, but we were also comics, and so it was girls who can't play guitar in a club together. And then it became an act. And thank you for even knowing about that. Love Karen. And I love Karen. But you're not friends anymore. No. God, I'm going to to move on. But I got to know. Is there a one word, a one word response to Alison Rosen's question of what happened? Girl, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. It's one of those. It's one of those. I hate those. I hate those. I do too. I do too. Okay. Rapid fire. Lisa Lowry wants to know, oh, sorry, and that that question before was from High Fidelity. This is from Lisa Lowry. Curious how she was cast in music videos and what it was like. Oh, my God. Seriously, your fans are off the hook. How does she (laughs) even know that? I was just thinking about that because I've been doing some writing about the past. And, uh, yeah, I was in a Beck video, Weezer, and a Sheryl Crow video. That's so cool. (laughs) It's amazing. It was that 90s zeitgeist. I think, you know, just in the... Right place, right time. Jennifer Tokaji, why is she thanked in Fiona Apple's liner notes? How do they know each other? I used to date um, her producer. John John Bryan, right? Yes. And I was also, we were friends with Paul Thomas Anderson and friends with Paul Thomas Anderson when he and Fiona were dating. So I was around them and Uh, Fiona's a friend. I haven't um, talked to her in a while. Uh, you said you haven't talked to her in a while. Mm-mm. Maybe you should check in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you and Fiona have the kind of friendship where you'll just pick off, pick up where you left off. I'm sure when when you have time. 
I don't know, man. Sometimes it happens, you know, eras, eras pass and that's okay too. Yeah. But yes, if I saw her, it would be lovely. Um, Lauren Kelly, this is the last one. Always loved her work, but didn't know how to say her name till Christina P was talking about her a lot around when Jason Nash is married came out. Any fun stories with Christina? Whoa. Um, love Christina. Christina inspired me to dig into stand up because oh, I had great. never fully quit all, all these years I was acting and I would do like a storytelling show or set here. And I had a show that she was on and I didn't know her. And I was like, I love her and I love her comedy. And she just looked at, and she's hilarious and so sweet and fun. And she just looked at me. She's like, I go on the road every weekend. And I was like, because <laughs> I had never approached comedy like that. So then that's when I started really digging in and kind of becoming a road comic properly, which I didn't when I first started, but that was because of Christina and I love her. Oh, that's so nice. Mary Lynn, it was so nice getting to know you, having you on the show. Please come back. Tell everyone where they can find you, plug anything you want to plug, etc. Oh, check out my special. It's on Vimeo, but you can find me at Mary Lynn Rice Cub. Mary Lynn, two N's, R-A-J-S-K-U-B on all platforms. Wonderful. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a nice comment, five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Check out my other podcast, Childish, that I do with Greg Fitzsimmons. Follow me on social media at Allison Rosen. Again, I'm on Patreon and I'm on Cameo and um, anything else. Just Google Allison Rosen. Tony, what about you? At Tony Thaxton on Twitter and Instagram. My podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday. That's it for now. Oh, there is one more thing I forgot. Um, I have spent all this time putting together these Amazon lists so you can uh, shop my podcast gear, makeup, all that stuff. Um, stuff for the kids. Got Daniel's Corner. Every, all the stuff I like. Amazon.com slash shop slash Allison Rosen. Okay. Thank you again for coming on the show. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? Time, but now we gotta go.